welcome to the Our Fractured Minds podcast, where we're looking to redefine what it means to live with mental illness. I'm your host, Jeff Reno, and I'm joined today by Bree Palmer. Bree identifies herself as a social media chick. She's an interior decorator in Ottawa, Canada, and is currently writing a blog all about amazing humans in this world. The Amazing Humans series highlights inspiring humans who are not well known, but are impressive or amazing in her eyes. Her personal mental health story began at the age of 16 when her father took his own life. This launched her into learning about depression and mental health. It also led her down the path toward advocacy on the topic. Bree volunteers with mental health organizations in Ottawa and uses her social media presence to educate, inspire, and advocate for those who suffer from mental health illnesses. Bree, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. No, wonderful. I appreciate it. Um, Bree is really, really empowering when it comes to mental health. I know that sort of a mutual friend put us in contact when I first started talking about this. Uh, and she's been very, very inspirational to me, uh, saying some really kind things and helping me keep going. As someone who suffers pretty severely from something that causes extreme paranoia, it's very easy to doubt yourself and sort of the direction that you're going. But she, as well as a few other very specific people, have helped me maintain some confidence throughout the process. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you so much. I'm glad I could be um, helpful in that regard. I think what you're doing here is really, really great. So keep it up. Well, thank you. <laughs> So I'd like to kind of just get right on into it. I know that you had uh, a very life-changing experience when you were younger. Uh, I lost my father very unexpectedly when I was 18, uh, different reasons, but sort of equally unexpectedly. So I, I think the first question I have for you is, how long after your life changed did you decide you wanted to become an advocate for this sort of topic? Um, well, I mean, I was only 16 when my dad took his life. So at that point in time, it was more like just keeping my life on track, like mm -hmm. finishing high school and figuring out what I was going to do and going to college and really just kind of accepting what was now our reality. The new normal. Yeah. So it took a few years before I kind of even started to dive into like what depression is and different mental illnesses and to learn about it. And then I would say after about five or six years is when I started to really get more involved in the advocacy part of it. And as social media grew, like that's where my advocacy grew as well, just with social media platforms and gaining more community members on my social media platforms. Like that's the advocacy just grew with that. One of the things we talk about a lot on this show is the stigma that surrounds mental health. And I'm curious to find out as you've sort of explored this, what sort of, of experiences have you seen within the mental health community because of the stigma that exists around it? Um, it's been an interesting experience, especially with all of the the people I know now throughout like the world on social media and Facebook and whatnot. But at the beginning, there was a huge stigma, and I found it very difficult to find other people who had gone through similar situations or were suffering themselves. And over the past few years, I've noticed a huge growth in communities on Instagram and Facebook and even Snapchat, where the stigma is less. It still exists, obviously. We still have a long way to go. But I'm finding that there's a lot more groups and a lot of people sharing their stories and reaching out to other people. And when you tell your story, like as I've told this story, I've had people like you and others come into my life who are suffering or have experienced similar things. And those building those communities and noticing that the stigma is starting to deteriorate a little bit. It all takes a singular voice, right? I remember the very first person I can think of who came out and opened up and said that she was bipolar. And 
I like to consider her a friend. She might consider me an acquaintance, but either way, it was very Mm -hmm. powerful to me. I remember when she did that, I thought to myself, gosh, I wish I could be as strong as she was. And I wish I felt comfortable enough coming out, but I had this terrible fear inside of me that if people knew what I dealt with, it would impact not just my life, but the life of my family, right? Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to be able to get a job? If they find out what's going on, will they ever promote me? How's it going to impact my life in sort of those kinds of ways? Um, Now that I've actually opened up and started talking about that, I have been refused life insurance. Uh, So it's already had quite a few impacts and I don't know what the future will hold, but she was the first voice that really convinced me to start doing this. And it wasn't until several years later. Uh, I think the final tipping point for me was when uh, Robin Williams tragically took his own life. Mm-hmm. And I think for that, it was just this idea that we all hide behind these masks. And we're all very good at sort of pretending to be what we're supposed to be and pretending that we're not who we are. And in many cases, it's it's somebody who's in a lot of pain and somebody who's hurting. And I finally decided, you know, I shouldn't be wearing this mask because me hiding behind it doesn't just hurt me. It hurts everyone else who feels like they have to hide behind a mask too. So I can, I can only, I can't speak enough to how much I appreciate your willingness to sort of speak on this topic and to help people in the same way that many have helped me. Yeah, that's well, and that's where I come from. Like I don't suffer myself. I would say I have a little bit of anxiety, but it's nothing to write home about. So, but the, like I say, as I've told my story, so many people have come to me and they said that they've been afraid, but they've talked to friends or family and they're doing better and experiences like that that keep me going. And even though it's hard to talk about, I just continue to because I'm hoping my voice will help mm-hmm. people. <laughs> well, as somebody who has attempted to take his own life on a number of occasions, I can specifically say that when you're in a period or in a point of your life where you feel this way, You legitimately think the whole world will be better off without you. And yes, you know that people love you and people care about you, but you legitimately think that in loving them, they have to be without you. Um, And and one of the things that I'm hoping to do here is to just sort of help people understand that the things that people like me feel, we don't feel that in any way necessarily because of you. We feel it because of something that we deal with inside. Now, there are external factors that can that can occur and that can impact a bunch of different things, but just being there for someone, just helping them know can, can make a tremendous impact, but it doesn't always solve the problem. It's it's such, mm-hmm. a, such a huge problem. It's just opening up about it, talking to people, being there and letting them know that, that it's sort of a, a part of it and recognizing it is the hardest thing because like I said, I think that people who suffer are the best actors and actresses out there because we have spent our whole lives pretending to be something we're not. Yep, that's exactly it. Well, I 100% believe that my dad felt uh, that he was doing us all a favor, that by leaving the world, he was, yeah, like what, what you just said, that we'd all be better off. That's a terrifying thought, and for anyone to feel that way and to think that that's their family would be better off without them is that kind of thing that I want to put out into the universe that there are people that care about you guys and care about you and will totally miss you. So hopefully telling from the other side of the coin that like, I'm here for you no matter what. That's, that's my goal. So you dug in and said you started doing a lot of research. What were some of the things that surprised you uh, that you were learning as you went through that process? Um, well, there's, I'm still learning. I feel the world of mental illness and mental health is huge, and we do not know even 1% enough information about the brain. So I just found so many interesting factors about like medications and 
different all I don't even know I don't I'm not smart enough to talk on this topic really but there was just a ton of information and everything I found was pretty surprising to be honest of the things that you found what personally was one thing that you wish people knew about mental health that most often goes overlooked um possibly the I think the biggest issue that I more people need to realize about themselves and about maybe their doctors is that their family health doctor doesn't know enough other than to just like prescribe a drug and hope for the best. So I, I think, and this is coming from an outsider's perspective that you need to do a little bit more research into yourself and try different things before you just settle with the one thing that your doctor is hoping will work and so trying <laughs> I'm legitimately doing a dance over here because that is the greatest answer I could have ever hoped for. You know, I, I actually have uh, an episode I'm publishing this week, uh, so you haven't had a chance to hear it yet, but it's actually with uh, a doctor. And okay. hearing him talk about the process of, you know, going through everything and how it works was really fascinating. And, you know, one of the things that we talk a lot about on the show and we've started talking a lot on the show is about how finding the right doctor is a lot like speed dating, right? You're not <laughs> always going to have a great experience on the first try, but that doesn't mean you should give up. But more specifically, we look at who is diagnosing a lot of people with these issues. And a lot of the people I've talked to, right, they're like, well, I told my doctor that I wasn't feeling well and I had some, some problems and all these kinds of things that are like, here's a pill, you'll feel fine. And they take the pill and they don't feel fine and they just feel like there's something wrong with them and they ignore it. And then when they finally go talk to uh, a therapist, uh, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they're able to really break down what's going on and actually get some legitimate help. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but there's a real big issue here in the U.S. where teachers are diagnosing their students with ADHD. Um, yep. and, and I'm sorry, but teachers aren't qualified to make those kinds of diagnoses, let alone parents, let alone regular doctors. Uh, you need to be mm -hmm. going to the right kind of doctor to get the right kind of healing. You wouldn't go to a foot doctor to cure lung cancer. Why would you go to a regular doctor to cure ADHD or anxiety or clinical depression? Exactly. I think that's a huge issue. Well, even myself, like I was low in vitamin D or whatever. So I was feeling very like laggy and sluggish. Mm -hmm. And literally, my doctor, the first words out of her mouth were, well, are you are you sure you're not feeling depressed and you're not feeling because that you have to tell them about all the issues like of your family, right? When you mm -hmm. fill out that little form. Mm -hmm. So that was what she read that my dad had depression and that was her first inclination. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, no, like I know enough of the symptoms. I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's nothing like that. Like I've. I mean, it could be potentially, but I don't think so. And then I was like, but I haven't had blood work done. She's like, okay, maybe we should do some blood work. Shouldn't have that been the first question though? Yeah. So I, yeah, I find that they just want to throw a pill at the problem, which is not, not the right answer. Yeah. And it's not to say that medication can't be a part of the solution, but you've got to be properly diagnosed and given the right medication for the situation, right? It shouldn't be yeah. just a placebo because a placebo doesn't help an actual problem. Exactly. And it, well, and some medications work awesome for people, but sometimes it takes them, like I know my dad went through many before he found one that kind of worked. And then even that one obviously didn't work in the end. So mm -hmm. it's, it's a process and you have to try it with other things. And that's the biggest problem I think right now in the mental health. So I know you volunteer with mental health organizations in Ottawa. I'm wondering if you could talk about the types of organizations you, you work with and what you do with them. 
Um, so mainly I have volunteered with Partners for Mental Health, and it's been an, a great experience. All of the team, ha- like they all are such amazing people, and we we do mostly events where we're trying to raise funds to put towards Partners for Mental Health programs. So I've been a part of a couple bolathons, um, a music festival, and a couple other small things, and basically those events are just to raise uh, funds and awareness for Partners for Mental Health and their initiatives, which they focus heavily on youth mental health. So it's just been putting efforts towards uh, their a campaign they call Right By You, which is going mm-hmm. towards the parents, teaching, knowing enough to get their kids help and knowing when they need to get their kids help and that kind of thing. And it's it's been a great experience. The Bullathon that I participate in the woman who organized it from the get-go, like she started it a few years ago. Her son took his life, so it's in honor of him. It's been mm-hmm. quite the experience, and it's been really, really great. They do great things, and I'm I'm proud to be a part of their organization. Well, and working toward the mental health of, of kids is such a major proposition because I know when I was younger, it was just expected that kids don't really suffer. They're not old enough to have dealt with enough to manage these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically, when I started doing research into bipolar disorder, they're like, you will not see doctors um, diagnose that disorder until they're much older. And, you know, when I sat down and talked with my doctor, I was able to backdate it very, very far. I remember specifically times in fifth grade where I was having acute bipolar episodes. And it's, it's really fascinating to be able to look back on, you know, days when I was suffering, but when nobody would have ever, ever, ever admitted that this is what was going on. Um, Mm -hmm. So kudos to you for working with an organization that's so important to helping the next generations of society. Yeah, it's, it's great. I think what they're doing is awesome. It's a hard battle, though, because you got to get parents to really really take a hard look at themselves and at their children and nobody wants to believe that their kid is suffering any of these mental illnesses I'm sure so speaking as a parent I think one of the things that's probably very hard for most parents to do is to admit their child is suffering because they look at that as a failure on themselves exactly it's, yeah. my child isn't happy means I'm not making them happy what's so hard for many people to hear and understand is that it has nothing to do with you in so many cases um, a, a good example I have is a lot of people who deal with bipolar disorder are very hard to be in relationships with because they go through long periods of mania where they're this really out of the box, really great going person and a lot of fun to be around. And then they'll go through really long periods of depression. And during that long period of depression, the significant other is convinced that it's their fault and they yeah. end up leaving. Uh, and, and it's just sort of this, this ongoing problem. And it's just helping people understand that just because somebody isn't happy, just because somebody uh, is suffering from depression or some other variety of mental illnesses doesn't mean that you have done anything wrong. It just means you have to go and take care of that uh, because these are chemical, physical uh, illnesses that are more than just skin deep. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a very good point. And interesting from that perspective. Uh, like, yeah, it's it's tough because it's not it's inside and it's your brain. And these are hard things to understand. So I have three stepsons and I can imagine like if any of them were suffering in any way, it's it's not an easy thing to grasp. But you just got to you got to have those hard conversations even with your kids. So 
Yeah. I, selfishly, I hope that one day my child will be able to listen to these and understand that I, I do get it if she's ever going through it and it's okay to talk. Yeah, and exactly. Also understand at the same time that you're not going to think anybody gets it and you're never going to want to talk. So uh, it's 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 a conundrum wrapped up in a blanket, uh, <laughs> wrapped up in a hell hole all at one time. So that's yeah. sort of what it feels like a lot. Um, so I am lucky enough to follow Brie on so many of the wonderful channels that she participates on. Uh, if you don't do that already, you need to be following her on Twitter, Instagram, and may I also throw out Snapchat because she's excellent there. <laughs> Thank um, you. But one of the things that I think is very important, and you mentioned it a little earlier when you talked about how many communities are developing, is just how hard on mental health social media can be. Um, I believe just a month or so ago, Instagram was named the worst platform for mental health. And that's because so many people are showcasing, you know, outstanding fit bodies and all these wonderful things. And we live in a society now where we're more aware of what other people have, which I believe leads us to reach more uh, for what's out of reach. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that in a lot of ways leads us to self-deprecate and self-deprecation, I believe, often leads to mental health, mental, mental health issues. Um, so from that perspective and from many other perspectives, I'm curious, how do you balance your social media activity with sort of these other initiatives that you're always working through? Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. I read that article about Instagram and they're definitely not wrong. I think it's positioning yourself within communities on social media that are at the same level as you are. Like I put myself in communities of people who are striving for the same goals as I am or are suffering from mental illnesses, for example, or advocating for mental illnesses or positive people. Like the groups that I put myself in have kept me from going crazy because I, I see all that. I see it on the, but I put that on the back burner of all that perfection and all that and I just focus on my communities of people who lift me up rather than push me down and that's I think that's the key is to position yourself where you're you're ignoring anything that's not serving you if that makes sense no it totally does and I think that's the hardest thing right is to recognize what's healthy and what's not mm -hmm. um, because I think I think there's something to be said to have aspirations, but I think there's something to also be said to um, be willfully accepting of what we have and being very satisfied with it. Um, especially here in this country, it's it's very rare when a person in this country actually has less than people who are suffering in so many of the third world countries out there. Mm -hmm. uh, that doesn't mean life is easy by any means for so many people in this country. <laughs> it's such a hard life. Um, and I can only speak for the US, unfortunately, I can't speak for Canada, but we have so many issues and so many of them are going unhelped, whether it's from a number of issues related to education, poverty, et cetera. And I'm getting way more political here than I wanted. So let me just bring this back <laughs> to say, Mental health is an issue, and we've got to really do a good job starting at the top and helping people take care of it, because if we can do that, then it sort of removes this big barrier away from people, you know, attaining what they're aspirational about. Uh, it becomes more about doing the work and getting there. Uh, it, let, me, let me put this in one of my favorite comic book terms. It hmm. requires will to succeed. Uh, because hope will always let you down if you don't have the will to make it happen. And I think we look at social media and it just becomes about hopes and dreams. And we forget about the work that it takes to sort of reach those destinations we're hoping to to get to. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think it's it's limiting 
your time too. Like I spend an excessive amount of time on social media, but I love what I'm doing when I'm on there. So it's, it isn't affecting me in the way that it definitely could. It's, it's just, you have to balance. It's just like work-life balance. You have to put a balance in there as well and focus on what you have and be grateful for you, yourself and your family and try to try to live life outside of the screen once in a while. And it's really just balance. But yeah, you're right. We have to start at the top. And there's a lot of issues here in Canada as well. And mental health is definitely one of those things that we need to we need to work on still. And Canada is not alone, obviously. So, um, you know, one of the things you talked about earlier, and, and we're going way back here. So I apologize for sort of detouring all the way back to the beginning. But you talked about how you just got in and you started doing research. And I'm wondering where you went uh, to sort of find your way and to learn about all of this. Um, and, and how you ultimately got to the point where you started working with these organizations. Um, where did you go to learn more? Uh, and how did that propel you sort of into what you're doing now? Yeah, it was definitely a rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, once you get started, you kind of get lost in there. Um, I, I probably just Googled the terms like what is depression and what is suicide and why does this happen? And that honestly, that's it. I just Googled them. I went to reputable sites from doctors and organizations like Partners for Mental Health and read stories and found people and read their stories and there is a plethora of information out there and gets reading other people's stories that are the most beneficial from people like you and people like myself who tell their real story mm -hmm. those that those are the stories that are super beneficial to learning more and feeling like you're not alone so Google is a really great place to go to learn more but can also be a very damaging place similar to Instagram uh, I read a story not long ago, and I don't feel like I'm going to do this story justice, but it was a, a couple whose child had committed suicide, and she really wanted to sort of do what we're doing and drive awareness. And she had a very large knowledge base in terms of like SEO and PPC, which is search engine optimization and Google AdWords. Oh so what she did was she actually built a website around terms that people were searching for, and she found that people were actually searching for how do I hang myself? So she created an entire website of love and compassion around how do I hang myself? And she got this really great letter from a man who had been to that site after being convinced that it was his time. And she shared, she, she, uh, she shared his story and she shared her own. And it was just very heart-wrenching to think about what's out there from a positive standpoint, but what's also out there from an innate negative standpoint. And just really understanding how we can sort of filter the messaging to get the right uh, impact on the right people at the right times. Yeah. Wow. That's I never, I don't even think I would think about that or yeah, that's crazy. Well, good for her. That's, that's powerful. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And I don't mean to, to sort of take it that direction, but it just sort of reminded me when you're talking about going to Google, it's such for a great sure. tool. And we actually have links on our about us page. If anyone out there is feeling worthless or suicidal, because there are tons of resources and people you can go and talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and don't get down. If you have a hard time finding a doctor and don't give up, there is help out there. Uh, in an episode we talked, an episode recently where I talked to Ted Bauer, he talked about a story in which a couple of powerful people in Virginia, their child was unable to find help in a quick enough manner and he ended up taking his own life, which is another tragic story about how people cannot find help. 
Um, yeah. And I just implore you to know that there is help available out there, um, even if sometimes it's hard to find. I guarantee you there are people out there who care about you. And I can assure you that the world would not be a better place without you. Yeah. Partners for Mental Health has a great list of resources if you're in Canada as well. So that's an option. Don't give up. <laughs> Just keep fighting. That's all we can do. Uh, so one of the big questions I always ask at the end of this, Brie, and I think it's sort of the 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 whole point of the entire show, is that the news media likes to believe that we are defined by the illnesses we suffer from. And I know that you are an advocate on the point of it, but I still like to hear your response to this question. And that is, how is it that you would define yourself? Yeah, I like this question a lot. <laughs> I would define myself, obviously, as an advocate, but I would also define myself as, as a person with a big heart. And the media does portray us as putting, try to put us in boxes and I don't believe in that. You are you and you're the only one who will ever be you. So, so rock that. And that's, that's my, that's my take on that. No, I appreciate it. So <laughs> what are all the wonderful places where people can come and find more information out about you and all the wonderful things you're working on? Um, you can find me on social media pretty much everywhere as Brie Palm, P-A-L-M, Brie with two E's. Or if you go to BriePalmer.com, all of my links are there. Anything that we should know about the organizations you're working with as well? You mentioned one of them earlier. Yeah, follow Partners for Mental Health everywhere. They're awesome. Like I said, I'm super proud to be a part of their initiative. So if you need more information or you want to just follow them for to keep up on what they're up to, then you can find them at PartnersForMentalHealth.com, I believe is the website. And is there anything I missed that you'd still like to talk about? Because by God, I love talking to you about all this stuff. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, I, well, I feel like we've covered a lot of bases here, so Wonderful. I'm good. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, then, as we close this up, I just want to remind everyone that we are not in any way experts or doctors. What you've heard here today are our own personal life experiences that we hope will help in the stigma surrounding mental health. If you ever have thoughts of worthlessness or feel suicidal, please seek out professional help. You can find links to options on our About Us page at ourfracturedminds.com. If you enjoyed the podcast today, I'd love it if you'd subscribe and review the show. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Brie, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on the show today, uh, sharing you. your work, being an advocate for change, an advocate for everything that we're doing. Uh, and, you know, all I want to say is, is this. You may feel alone, you may feel worthless, but you're not, and the world is a better place with you in it. Thank you, and talk to you next time.